It's so good to be here at Harvest Connection this morning. My name is Milton Jones, and I'm the president of Christian Relief Fund. And I love the way that uh, you have partnered with Christian Relief Fund as a church and as individuals. You support children uh, that are orphans and destitute in Central America, in Haiti, in Kenya, and in Uganda. And I thank you so much for that. And also, you've drilled, uh, I think, eight water wells. And those are in places where it hasn't rained in five or six years. And you have brought water and living water there because when we drill these wells, we also plant churches. And I know, I, I'm not sure how many churches you've planted, but it just shows that Harvest Connection is making disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. And I know that's a theme here at Harvest is that you want to make disciples here in Amarillo and all around the world. And so I'm just thrilled to be here. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Audie, for inviting me to be here. And I want to just pray for all of you that have been sick. And I just pray that everybody that's been sick in this congregation can get well really soon and that we can be meeting together live again in the near future. Let me uh, read a passage before we get into the sermon. And it's found in John 17. It's that great prayer of Jesus. It says, after Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Would you pray with me? Our dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for Harvest Connection. I want to thank you for the way that they multiply disciples all over the world. And I pray a blessing on the members here. I pray a blessing on the health here that everybody that's got COVID or any kind of illness might get well very soon. And we call upon your name uh, to heal them. Lord, as this week we uh, are honoring in our country our veterans, I want to thank you for the veterans here at Harvest Connection. And I just want to thank you for their service, for their sacrifices, for the way that they have protected and defended our country, and us. And I pray for just immense blessings upon all of our veterans. And today as we look at some people who are really hurting, we pray that you will fill us with compassion, and we pray that you will fill us with action. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was sitting in the airport in Fresno, California, I was waiting to get on a plane. I was going to preach someplace. And as I was seated there, I noticed this man, and he kept walking by me. He's a big man. He was wearing a flowered shirt and plaid pants. He was talking loudly every time that he walked by me. I couldn't understand a single word he was saying, but he was just talking and talking. I could tell by looking at him that he was just frantic. 
I could tell that he was a man that didn't really want to get on an airplane and fly. He just looked like he had that kind of anxiety. And then as he's walking along, he's lugging a big suitcase and he's just swinging that suitcase as he walks, just talking loudly, getting nervous. I don't know how many times he went by me. And then finally, I decided that I would lift up a prayer. I lifted up a prayer. It was a fervent prayer. This was the prayer. I said, Lord, please don't let that man sit beside me on the airplane. Well, you know how that's going to turn out, don't you? So I get on the airplane, and I've got the middle seat. Oh, I hate getting the middle seat. So I sit down in the middle seat. The aisle seat's open, and I'm hoping nobody will sit in the aisle seat so I can scoot over and get more room. And so I keep peering down the aisle to see if anybody's going to come to take the aisle seat. And then there he is, the man with the flowered shirt and the plaid pants, the man who is still talking loudly, who is still swinging the suitcase. And he comes down the aisle and he stops right by my row. He's got the aisle seat. And so I can't believe that I'm going to have to sit in the middle seat, and this man, and he's going to be talking to me. He's already talking to me loudly. I still don't understand what he's saying. And so he takes his suitcase, and I assume he's going to put it in the overhead bin where you're supposed to put your suitcase. But instead of putting his suitcase in the overhead bin, he puts it underneath the seat. And that means he has no leg room. It means that he's taken up half of my leg room, so I'm going to have very little leg room. But it didn't, really doesn't matter because once he sits down, he just takes about half of my seat too and just kind of leans over onto me and just starts talking and talking, and I can't understand what he has got to say. So I start paying attention to his language, and I think maybe it's French. But it wasn't quite right. And then I started thinking more, and I decided it might be Creole. And so I pointed to him, and I said, Haiti? And he answered back, oui. He was from from Haiti. And then so we took off on the airplane, and we got to the proper altitude where the plane levels off. And when the plane levels off, he reaches down to get his suitcase. And I'm thinking, finally, he's going to put his suitcase in the overhead bin. And so he takes that suitcase, lifts it up, and he puts it on my lap. He puts the suitcase on my lap. I mean, I I just, I couldn't believe it. He put a suitcase on my lap, and he changed my life. And nothing in my life has ever been quite the same since. I think the greatest thing we can do is to know God. Knowing God is a thread that goes through the whole Bible, and I think it crescendos in that passage that we read earlier in John 17. And let me just give you an excerpt of that passage once again. Jesus says this. He says, this is eternal life, to know you. Now, usually when I think of eternal life, I usually think that it's something that I'm progressing toward. Or I think it's something in my future. But what Jesus says is, this is eternal life, to know you. And you get that? He's saying knowing God is eternal life. I remember being back in college, and there was a group of students, and we really wanted to know God. We wanted to know who he was. And so we met together regularly in a room in the library, and we would study God. We'd read our Bibles. We'd pray. We would uh, try to 
learn the original languages. And, and we did. In fact, two people became so proficient in their in their knowledge of the original languages of the Bible, they became the two leading translators of a major translation of the Bible. And we'd dig deep, we'd read theologians. We especially like to read German theologians, simply because they were just so hard to understand. But we'd dig deep and we learned all kinds of things, and it's good to learn about God. But something happened in the process, I think. I think we became a little bit arrogant in our knowledge. I think maybe we took some pride in that nobody had a clue what we were talking about. But it was good to learn a lot about God. But here's the deal. You cannot know God if you don't know about God. You see, I talk to people sometimes, they say, I know God and God is this way. But how they describe God is not at all how God is revealed in the Bible. And so you cannot know God if you don't know about God. But here's the other deal. You can know about God and not know God. And so it was good that we'd learned all this information about God, but I kept thinking there's something more. And then one day a student stood up, and I remember exactly where she was standing when she said it. And she said, I think we need to listen to John 15, 15. And so she read to us the words of Jesus when he said, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And you see what Jesus was saying here is that Jesus was going to make known God. And there was a way that we could learn about God because Jesus was making him known to us. But notice to whom he is making God known. It says his friends. And I remember she said, I think it's good that we've learned all this stuff that we've learned about God. She said, but I think if we're going to know God, we also need a relationship with him because he is making himself known to his friends. And I think she was right. Not everybody agreed, but I think she was right. And I think we need to know about God to know God. I think that we need to have a relationship to know, with God to know God. But I think maybe there's something else. And I kept wondering, is there more? Is there more? Well, I was in Haiti, and I was leading a short-term mission group down there. And they're all students from Ole Miss. And so I thought it would be nice if we had a memory verse, you know, a verse that we all learned, and when we got together, we could quote it with each other, and then any time we thought of that verse, it would remind us of our trip. And so I picked out a verse, and I thought it was just the, the perfect verse for the time. And I'm going to give it to you in just a minute. It's one of those verses that stands alone well, but if you get put it in its context, it's even more powerful. And so let me give you a little context of it. When you think of... uh Good kings in the, in the Bible, who do you think of? Well, in the Old Testament, I usually think of David, probably first of all, because it says that he has the heart of God. But if I don't think of David when I think of good kings, I usually think of Josiah. And Josiah, he's just a good king. In fact, the Bible calls him righteous. Josiah, he becomes king of Judah when he's eight years old. They bring the scriptures to him that he didn't know about. And when he Here's the scriptures read to him. He weeps. He tears his clothes. He reinstitutes the Passover. He has them tear down idols. 
He is a righteous man. Now, if you want to find somebody that's just the opposite, if you want to find somebody that's really a bad one, you don't have to look far. You can just kind of look to one of his kids. You could look to Jehoiakim because when they brought the scriptures to him, he took a knife and just cut the scriptures into strips and just threw them in a fire. Or you could look to his other son, Shalom, who became king. And Shalom is a person whom the Bible describes as unrighteous. And so what Jeremiah wants to do in Jeremiah chapter 22, he wants to juxtapose two people, one who is unrighteous beside one who is righteous, one who is the son beside the one who is the father, one who's just bad beside someone who's good. And so let's look in uh, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 22, and at first we'll look at Shalom, and then we'll look at the difference when we see the righteous one, King Josiah. And this is what it says, verse 11. For this is what the Lord says about Shalom, son of Josiah, who succeeded his father as king of Judah, but has gone from this place. He will never return. He will die in the place where they have led him captive. He will not see this land again. Woe to him who builds his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, making his own people work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. He says, I will build myself a great palace with spacious upper rooms. So he makes large windows in it, panels it with cedar, and decorates it in red. Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? And so here's the unrighteous one, Shalom. And you know what makes him unrighteous? Well, really, Jeremiah could summarize it in three words that he mentions here in Jeremiah 22. More and more. That's what Shalom's life's all about. More and more. And when he gets more and more, you know what he wants? More and more. And when he gets more and more, he wants more and more. His whole life is to get more and more. And who does he want more and more for? He wants more and more for himself. His whole life is about himself and getting more and more. And then it juxtaposes Josiah to Shalom here in verse 16. And you find out about the righteous one. It says, he defended the cause of the poor and needy. And so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? And so Jeremiah says there's two ways of life. There's the way of unrighteousness and there's the way of righteousness. The way of unrighteousness is just to live your life to get more and more for yourself. And then the righteous way, it's to help the poor and the needy. And then Jeremiah says that if you help the poor and needy, two things happen to you. The two things that happen to you when you help the poor and needy, number one, is that things go well for you. Isn't that great? I mean, I, I don't want the alternative, you know, <laughs> to, to live my life in such a way that everything goes terribly for me. No, he says, if you help the poor and needy, first of all, things go well for you. And then secondly, he says that you know God. You see, we know God when we know about him. We know God when we have a relationship with him. But Jeremiah says, you know God when you help the poor and needy. So this man on an airplane... He's wearing a flowered shirt and plaid pants, and he puts a suitcase in my lap, if you can believe it. Well, finally, he opens the suitcase, 
And I look down as he opens the suitcase to see what's in the suitcase. And there's all these photos, pictures of children. And I don't really know why there's a suitcase in my lap with photos of children. And then God gave me some discernment. And I turned to the man in the flowered shirt and I said, orphans? And he knew what that word meant. And he said, we. The man had a suitcase full of orphans, all these pictures, and I realized who he was. He's a man who's just traveling any place in the world. He doesn't like to fly, but he'll go any place if someone will help him take care of orphans. Well, pretty soon, he had all of my money. <laughs> As I was flying, I pulled out everything I had, my billfold, and I gave it to him. And Barbie, my wife, she and I started sending money to this man so he could help support all of these orphans. And I think that was a good thing to do. But there developed a problem. We were sending the money, but we found out the money wasn't getting there to the right place. And it wasn't this man's fault. He was a good man, but he was living in a place that didn't have a good government. And the government was getting the money and they were keeping it for themselves so they could have more and more. And so Barbie and I talked and Barbie said, I think that God led us to the right place that he wants us to help support orphans, but I just don't think this is the place because we can't keep sending money to a place and they don't get the money to the children. And that's when I learned that not every person and not every organization knows how to get money to the right place in a developing country. And so Barbie said, we need to find another way to help sponsor children, to help orphans. And so she said she was going to do some research. And so she did some research and uh, she came back to me one day and we were living in Seattle, Washington at the time. I was pastoring a church there. And she came up and she said, I think I found a place. She said, if you give to this organization, the money gets there. And she said, a whole lot of the money gets there. Over 92% gets the, the money given gets to the child. And she said, and also the children grow up knowing about Jesus. That's their goal. In fact, their theme verse is Luke 2.52. And I like that because that's the verse Curtis shared last week here at Harvest. And it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God in favor with man. And that this organization, they were trying to make sure the children grew up to be just like Jesus. That, he, that where Jesus grew intellectually, he grew in his health, he grew in his relationship with God, and he grew in his relationship with people. And they were trying to make sure all of these children were just growing up to be like Jesus. And I said, well, Barbie, where where is this place that can help children so well? And she says, well, it's in Amarillo, Texas. And I said, Amarillo, Texas? Well, I've driven through Amarillo one time before. And I said, what is this place called? And she said, it's called Christian Relief Fund. Christian Relief Fund. And I never dreamed that I would work for Christian Relief Fund. And I never dreamed I would live in Amarillo, Texas. But that's how God works. He works in ways that we'll never understand for his glory. And so we started sponsoring kids with a Christian Relief Fund. And you know what? I try to be like that man now. Sometimes I even wear flowered shirts. 
I kind of like them, but I try not to wear them with plaid pants. But I travel all around the world, and when it's time for me to go, I have an assistant. Her name is Nicole, and I say, Nicole, pack the bag. And she goes over, and she gets this orange suitcase, and you know what she fills it with? Pictures of children who are orphaned or destitute. And I found out for $35 a month, about a dollar a day, you can totally take care of an orphan child. You can take care of all their needs, housing, food, education, just all of their needs. Well, today is Orphan Sunday. And it's a day that we think about orphans and we try to remember orphans and we try to help orphans. And no one is more needy and no one is more poor than orphans in a developing nation. And here's what happens to them. They have a tragedy. And because of this tragedy, their whole life is messed up. But they don't have anybody to help them in the tragedy. Let me just share with you some stories and show you some pictures. Because these are some orphans that have most influenced my life. And the first one here, his name is Evans. And Evans, he is a war orphan. There were some soldiers that came into his house and they killed his parents right before his eyes. And he is so devastated by it all. He is so in shock that you'll notice his hair. His hair before this event wasn't white, but as soon as he saw his parents killed in the shock, his hair just turns white. And now they just throw him outside his house and they leave him to wander around a mountain. Or this second person, his name is Milton, like my name. I call him Little Milton. And Little Milton, he likes to wear orange shirts uh, because he knows that I like to wear orange shirts. And Little Milton, he is an AIDS orphan. His parents got AIDS and died of it. And so he has to see his parents die of AIDS, and then after that happens, he is left to wander around a slum. Now, this next picture, this is Emmanuel, and Emmanuel is a famine orphan. He saw his parents starve to death, and because his parents have starved to death, he is left to wander around a desert. He has two cups here. One cup is for food. The other cup is for water, and he just wandered around that desert looking, and he didn't have anybody to help him with that when his parents died. And here's a picture I just got, and I think you'll really love this because you're a congregation who has helped us and partnered with us because we have matching funds to bring water into uh, developing nations. And this is in Kenya. And I love this because you've got all these kids who are orphans, and they're just lined up, and they're looking at our rig. This is the rig that we used to drill with in the northwest part of Kenya. And they are hoping. You see, these kids, they have lost family because they didn't have clean water. And they know that if that rig just hits water, they'll have clean water to drink. But they also know that the adults can start farms there, and so they'll have food to eat. And they also know that they won't be sick of typhoid or cholera like they have been most of their lives, and that they can go to school regularly. They know that if that rig hits water, Every single thing in their whole life will change. And it did. We hit water. 
You see, what I'm saying is that there's these orphans in developing lands, and they've had tragedies happen in their lives, and they don't have anybody to help them. And so what I'm asking us, Harvest, I'm just asking us to be the people that help them in their tragedies. That's all we're wanting to do on Orphan Sunday. And I usually carry around a suitcase every place I go with pictures in it, but because we're not live today and we're online, you can't really grab a picture and support that kid. But there's a couple other ways you can. You can go to christianreliefund.org, and you can log on to there and go to sponsor, and you can just pick the area of the world that you want to help in, or you can press orphan, and you can get a child that's been orphaned, and you can help that child. You can just pick the child that you want to pick like you're looking through a suitcase, and you can sign up to help that child. It's about a dollar a day, $35 a month, and if you don't want to do that, you can text. You can text sponsor, S-P-O-N-S-O-R, text sponsor to 94090, and they're on your phone. All of these kids will appear, and you can just pick one of those kids that you want to want to help there. And as you help these orphans who are so poor and needy, two things will happen. Things will go well for you, and you'll know God. Two men were sitting on an airplane flying out of Fresno, California. One had the middle seat. And he knew a lot about God. He was going to preach. But he didn't realize that there was a man right beside him in a flowered shirt who knew God even more. A man with a suitcase full of children. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for Harvest Connection. And Lord, on this Orphan Sunday... May we have it our goal to know you. May we be people who learn all about you. May we have a deep relationship with you. But, Lord, help us to be convicted that we want to be righteous, that we want to help the poor and needy. And, Lord, we claim your promises here, that things will go well for us and that we'll know you. And so on this Orphan Sunday, we pray that we'll be people who have great compassion for orphans, and that we will be people of action. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.